War is always bad, specifically for the planet. If we want to continue uh, fighting battles like environmentally conscious humans, we must make the change to sustainable tanks and weaponry. There are so many new concepts for our battery-powered fighter jets that can carry many more um, missiles, biodegradable missiles, of course. Something literally everybody can do to stop this nonsense is, for example, block the roads to gardens and farms so the plants don't get overrun by these heavy, heavy tanks. Hand grenades, very important. If you use hand grenades, please use vegan grenades. No animal should have to give their life for all this mayhem and chaos. They have a special sticker on them. You really can't miss them in the uh, grenade market or wherever you buy them. Yeah, I cover all of this and more in my newest book, Vegan Wars. That video is hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry, my book won't be as good as Vegan Wars. I mean, I can't handle that. <laughs> oh, man. I figured that was the perfect video to start with because AI. Because people thought getting, it was me. But AI <laughs> is getting so good now. Like that, right. I, the first time I saw that, I was like, is this real? There's no way yeah. this is real, right? Uh, we should make clear for YouTube that that was not real because. The last time okay. we played a not real vid video, Anthony, we got taken down. That is true. Yes, that was that not was a, a real okay. video. <laughs> I was um, I, I saw a clip of that a couple yesterday, maybe, and I was wondering for a minute, like because it sounds like something she would say. AI, they have the voice stuff down really good, man. If you yeah. have enough audio of a person and you put it into that thing. I mean, there's probably enough audio of us now with our podcast that they can. I'm have just a glad no one in the world is going to want to hear more of your voice. <laughs> well, okay. So Daniel O'Connor coming back for a second time, which Thank I can't you. believe. When I when I hear a person's willing to come on a second time, it's pretty. Hey, outrageous. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to start auditioning for my third time here tonight. We'll see Dude, if you I have get invited an, back. You have an know. open <laughs> invite to come on anytime. Your yeah, that show we did last time was such an interesting and good show, and you were still in the middle of writing it. And I begged you to come on because <laughs> um, I had heard some of the things you were talking about on your show, and I just thought they were so interesting. I'm like, Daniel, you got to come on with us. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And I pestered you enough to get you to come on. Well, we thank you for doing that, because I wanted to always. And that was just like I was putting this indefinite pause in almost all, all my stuff, because this because <laughs> writing this ridiculously large thing just took it took a toll on me. <laughs> but but yeah, now that it's done, I'm, I'm happy to be back on. How long yeah, did you write such a long book? Um, lots of lots of coffee and God's grace. Those are the only <laughs> two things you need: coffee and God's grace. <laughs> All right, before before we get into questions here, we're uh, everybody, please hit like, subscribe. You guys know the drill. Everybody does that. Also, um, I there's a lot of new subscribers to the channel. So what I did was I went through all of our all of our videos and I pulled out a sample of um, probably like the best 10 that I thought were good starter videos for anybody just introduced to our channel. Huh? I think it's 20 videos, 20 video. Okay. So the, I picked like the top 20, but if you go to it, I, I called it, um, a B starter playlist or something. 
it's yeah. the best ABCs of, of AB. It's what you should have called. Yeah, it's not, it's not like the, the the best of or or the starter pack or something. I don't know. But if you go through our playlist, you'll see if you if this is your first like your first checking our channel out, it's a really good list to start on. Um, and then also we have a local. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk with Daniel for about 45 minutes to an hour on here. And then we're going to jump over to locals and we're going to talk about, I want to talk about, um, Israel, Palestine and Christian Zionism and kind of some topics that YouTube wouldn't be crazy about. So that's what we're going to do after this. You guys can come check us out, join our locals. Um, Daniel, yeah, since the last time we talked, you, there was I wanted you to come back on in between, and you were like, I just can't. I'm so buried. <laughs> this book really took the life out of you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was the spiritual warfare. I had to wade through demonic stuff knee-deep as I was writing part four of the book, just with and, – and praise God, I was protected by – you know, I took the, the right measures to protect myself, daily mass, daily rosary, all that, so – the uh it didn't get it didn't get particularly dark personally but just the struggles of getting through this and wading through all this stuff which really hasn't been exposed yet from a catholic perspective which was the pro which was largely what inspired me to write this is that there's been uh some really solid evangelical christian exposés on this deception this diabolical deception some really good eastern orthodox exposés on it a number of eastern orthodox priests even have written very well on this but there's been almost nothing from the catholic perspective pointing out how diabolical this is, which is weird because as Catholics, we have by far the strongest case against aliens, even with, with the magisterium and, and, and the popes and uh, sacred tradition. It, we have the, by far the best argument. So I not wanted to get that, everything attacked, everything dealt with in that one book. Not only do we not have a Catholic arguing against it, we actually had some Catholics arguing for it where they the were, yeah. where they were trying to, because I've, I've come across this a bunch where, even people I like, I mean, I think even Eric Salmon said it. He said, uh, I'm not saying there's aliens, but if there was, it wouldn't contradict my faith. And, and and I think almost like people were were setting it up like, well, guys, don't worry. If, if we find out there's aliens, you still could be Catholic. But it's mm -hmm. to me, it's just such a preposterous idea. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of stems from evolution and this idea that if life evolved on this planet, it must have evolved somewhere else. Right. Right. And what you were actually you said you said that a lot of like even on the SETI site, they they like they say something like that. Right. Yeah. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And this is this is so mainstream. And I'm not even theorizing here. You can go look at their open public statements. This is the official. It's even got government funding search for extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI. It's the most um, it's the most renowned and, and well-funded of, of the various alien programs out there. So they're trying to make radio contact with aliens, which is actually, if there were aliens, that would be the only really way to do it, which, which, you, which we would have been guaranteed to do. And this is a whole chapter in my book. If there were aliens, we'd basically be guaranteed to see them with electromagnetic communications millennia before uh, actual physical contact, which is one of a thousand ways we can prove there's no aliens uh, out there or here. But anyway, yeah, the head of SETI, he says that he's searching for extraterrestrials because if we... Here on Earth, if we human beings are all there is, that would mean, and he's right about the premise, he says that would mean we're a miracle. And then he follows that up by saying, and if you're talking about miracles, you're not doing science. So yeah. this is their way to disprove God. They want to find extraterrestrials to disprove God. And as you said, Anthony, like, you know, it's, and I'm not at all attacking certain people who believe in aliens. I understand this is confusing these days. That's largely why I wrote this book to try to put that confusion to rest. Um, 
but that this idea okay if if there's if there's aliens it wouldn't disprove the faith and it's, it's to me that's kind of a tautology because nothing can disprove the faith because because yeah. <laughs> the faith is absolutely certain so i think when you phrase something in that way with a tautology a truism in other words a trivial assertion it's i think what you're doing is exposing the fact that you don't believe what you're saying at all you, you if you can only approach the alien question by saying, if they're there, they wouldn't disprove our faith. That, that doesn't say anything because nothing could disprove our faith. So it, when, when people try to position their thesis in those terms, I think that's very telling about their approach. Did you get into um, Project, what is it, Bluebeam or anything? Like, do you discuss that? In I the did book not. And I've, I, I, was, I was debating for a long time whether I should have a chapter on Project Bluebeam. And I decided against it just because... Um, it's not exactly a short book as yeah. it is, and uh, <laughs> that's shrouded in a lot of debate as to what's real and what's conspiracy. And, and I just didn't want to try to settle all that in here. But that, but that, it's very possible indeed that there is this, that a lot of what is being seen is not simply demonic. I think this is a mix of demonic deception and uh, government psyop. So those things that we can't chalk up to demons, and I'm not, you know. I shouldn't even say chalk up. It's not like I'm using this as an ad hoc explanation. I, I, people have said, why would you use that as your premise? It must be demons. That's not my premise. That's my conclusion. Yeah. My, my premise hmm. is I'm going to follow the facts wherever they lead to. And what they lead to every single time from every angle you approach them intellectually and in light of faith, both, you, you arrive at the conclusion that this must be demonic. You know, there's a... There's a certain very popular career lay apologist. And I just discovered a couple of days ago that he did a Catholic Answers podcast against, radio show against me last year, which I never I never knew happened. But um, he, he's, he's got all these videos saying it, it's not always aliens. You can't always say, I mean, sorry, it's, it's not always demons. <laughs> and to which I respond, no one is saying it's, almost, it's, yeah. al it's always demons. 95 to 98 percent of the UFO sightings are ordinarily earthly phenomena that are misinterpreted. I, no one denies that. Even the most zealous of the evangelicals out there warning against alien demon deceptions will admit that almost all of these sightings are just of a weather balloon or a drone or, or whatever. So yeah. I don't know who these people are referring to when they say, when these apologists say it's not always demons. Some people say it's always demons. No one says it's always demons. What we're saying is those fraction, that small fraction, two to 6% of alien UFO sightings, whatever, that can't be explained by an ordinary earthly phenomena, those are the demonic ones. And yes, if we, we can examine this from every angle with science and the faith, and we come to the same conclusion, this can't be anything but demonic. So when you even look at the way technology explodes in the 20th century, it, it's almost unreal how it just explodes in this unbelievably fast fashion where you get you get the mm -hmm. industrial revolution you get the automobile you get television you get computers it it just happens in such a rapid succession that even the stuff that isn't of of an actual demonic thing that the person is seeing you, you'd have to be i i can't possibly imagine these technologies came about without demonic influence themselves that could also be the case i i think this is also a chapter in my book. I believe that the devil got a significantly longer leash in a certain year. Yeah. And I'll let, maybe I'll let you, maybe I'll give you a pop quiz and ask you a few. Should I, should I? <laughs> so, okay. Leo, Pope Leo the 13th, he had this vision mm -hmm. of the dialogue between God and Satan, right? And 
I was one of many people speculating about when that period of time. So he saw God and his permissive will allowing Satan a period of time, 75 to 100 years of greater power. And many have speculated, myself included, as to when that period of time began. And I, and I wrote back in, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, some, a long time ago, I was thinking maybe this began with uh, World War I or the onslaught of communism in 1917. But then that's basically been disproven, right? <laughs> because we already hit the 100-year anniversary. Yeah, we haven't uh-huh. seen Satan's chain. We haven't seen his, his, his rule being broken. So clearly, but when, and when I was writing this book, and as I was thinking and praying more about that, I was kind of uh, wrong there in, in just my approach because Satan doesn't actually need a longer leash to institute genocides and wars and evil political systems. He's been doing that throughout history. That, that's just the circumstances need to be right. What he needs a longer leash for is to institute a type of delusion, a degree of demonic wonders and false signs and wonders that he hasn't been able to before, to really inject himself and his minions even more uh, openly into the world. Like back in the ancient pagan days before Christ bound Satan, you know, chained Satan with his sacrifice on the cross. And when did we see that explode? 1947. Yeah, I was going to say the atom bomb, right? Well, that's well, a little yeah, that's that yeah. big it with that that factors heavily into this definitely. Because all the supposed revelations from the extraterrestrials were were Start giving all these feel good messages about the atom bombs, yeah. And how bad that is and how we're about to destroy the planet. And suddenly, you know, once the narr- once the cultural narrative changes, the ETs are no longer warning us about atomic war, they're warning us about, you know, global warming. Of course, they follow yeah. the, the trend <laughs> fast. So it's, 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 these are not obviously not aliens giving us messages, but in 1947, that's the year where we went from no UFO sightings, absolutely none, no flying saucers. There are almost no flying saucer reports before 1947. And then when you get Kenneth Arnold and Roswell in summer of 1947, you've got hundreds across oh, the world. That's when that happened. That happens immediately, immediately after that. So I believe that that's actually the year. I think that that is the year where Satan's power increased dramatically in the world, 1947. And if you look at 75 to, and I've got other reasons for believing that also, which I put, which I explain more of in the book. But if you look at 75 to 100 years from then, that puts us right now into the period of time from, you know, 2022 to 2047, where this, his power could be broken at any point in that window. If indeed, if indeed my speculation is accurate, which it's very fallible, it's just speculation, but I think it makes sense. We go. You say that you wrote this book knowing that it was it was about to be disproven. What do you yeah. what do you mean by that? Yeah. And that's and I and I I threw that into my introduction a little bit little bit later on because I I I just I believe that they are going. There's going to be an official announcement soon. I hope I'm wrong about this, but I, I don't think I am. I think they the day of disclosure is coming soon. This is what the UFOlogists have been talking about for decades. The day where the government openly acknowledge, op- openly admits, after decades of, of heroic efforts from whistleblowers and yeah. ordinary people like you, demanding transparency, demanding the truth about UFOs, the day where the government finally admits, yes, they're here, we're in contact with them, We've, we, we, we have their UFOs, we even have their corpses and everything, but we know they're here, and here's their message. That's the day of disclosure. I think that is coming. And people are going to look at that and they're going to say, that disputes your book, doesn't it? And I wanted people to know from the very onset, that's the whole reason I'm writing this book, 
is yeah. because I think that's coming. And that will not at all dispute the fact that only man bears the divine image, that there are no aliens, and this is all a deception. Well, that's how that's how you know it is part government psyop, too, because right. even the way they've been – it's so funny. Like, every time it, – it, it's really funny because every time there's some crazy bad thing happens in the administration, you get, uh, you get some guy – from the CIA or the intelligence agencies comes out and says, Oh, well I saw the UFOs. And then all of a sudden the whole news is covering the stupid UFO story. And then the government, somebody else from the government will come out and they'll say, no, 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 no. This guy's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And you could see the seeds of a government psyop being dropped mm -hmm. in there. It, it's pretty, it's pretty wild when you, yeah, when you they're suddenly starting to realize how useful this is. Yeah. And I, I can't pretend to know when the government psyop part started. I believe the diet, the directly demonic, plan started centuries ago as for human beings you know we're very fickle or so i don't know maybe it started back in roswell some have argued that and i quote a number of authors who argued that in the book it may be more likely that it started more recently because maybe somewhere in the last several years they realized how useful this this lie will be in order to enact their plans you know with the the, the last tyranny didn't uh give them all the opportunities they wanted to institute their their agenda which i won't even name here because i in my last video with mark mallet i like I, I dared to say the word that's it's tgr the, the, there's the abbreviation for it and then i got this we got this big sign at the mm. bottom of the video oh, here's really? the real truth about the you know what <laughs> yeah, reset yeah, yeah. but uh so i can't even say but but the point is we know that they're up to no good we know that they're looking for the next excuse to institute the greatest tyranny the world has ever suffered under and 2020 to 2022, they they sure that was sure horrible, but that was a dry run for what's coming yeah. next, and they're looking for the the excuse for the next one. And and I believe World War Three is coming. That's going to give uh, one opportunity. The, the the zero carbon agenda that's going to give another opportunity. But the supreme deception is going to be beyond even those. I think, and I think this ET deception gives the greatest, most powerful opportunity to the New World Order type to institute a crackdown on civil liberties, the likes of which the world has never seen. If, if they say there's now an extraterrestrial threat, they can do whatever they want yeah, to, com to combat that. And and the thing is, what we're dealing with with AI in the mix with this whole thing, because mm -hmm. they, now have the they now have the technology to... I mean, you can do it from your phone with augmented reality and make something look like it's there that's not there. Mm -hmm. Like, legit make it look like something is there that it's not. So between... The, the capabilities they have with artificial intelligence to completely fake. I mean, you you look at even the, the whole situation in Ukraine. They were playing video game footage and telling us this was real footage. Right. That is right. how good CGI is at that mm -hmm. at this point, right? They would be able to to really fake out the entire globe if they Easy. wanted to do something like that. Yeah, and that's that, that the AI and the ET deception. I think really converge, and that's why I have I've several a number of chapters in the book on the ai deception as well but when you've got the, the the more the world gets almost all of its knowledge through what they see on the screen that happens to be in front of them in any given moment a phone or a tv or a computer or whatever when that reaches a certain critical mass you'll be able to delude the whole world overnight by just unleashing a bunch of ai generated lies that people will believe because they, they don't live in the real world at all Everything is through their screen. And um, that's 
that's why I've got a couple chapters in there. Like there's certain questions you got to ask when they unleash this deception upon us. Who exactly do you know you can already trust who is asserting publicly under oath even that he saw this thing with his own eyes in person? You've got to pretend you're on a jury and that someone's life depends upon this. And you've got to rigorously apply logic to the claims related to the ET and the AI deceptions that are coming our way. Who exactly do you know you can already trust is claiming a direct physical experience with something? And do the conclusions that he's presenting actually, are they actually a description of what he truly saw or are they an interpretation or is he simply doing hearsay? For example, Grush, that we're not talking about some sort of AI reality here, but Grush, he's obviously a real person. He claimed he took the world by storm, saying the, the U.S. government has UFOs and alien bodies. And then what did it suddenly, when, when you actually look at the fine print, he never saw anything. He, it's pure hearsay. All of this stuff is hearsay if you actually dig a little bit. And that's going to be true with the day of disclosure itself even. That'll also, uh, we'll be able to uncover the lie eventually, but it's going to be very hard at first. When did this whole um, book get put on your heart? What, how long ago was it? What Was there an event that happened? Almost that- three years. Yeah. I keep trying to mine my uh, my memory for the particular moment that that realized I, this is a battle I've got to fight. Um and and it was almost three years ago, I know, because that's when I started really researching and writing this. And I think I wrote my first public article against aliens in like, I think it was early 2021. But um, when when I noticed how much this was infiltrating the church, because, you know, the world can succumb to all sorts of garbage. And, and, I, and I weep over that and pray for the world. But what really gets me is when not only the church at large, but... Orthodox Catholics start succumbing to these deceptions. That's what really breaks my heart. People who really should be knowing better suddenly, because it, it, it's like adultery is what it is. And that's what the Old Testament, you know, the, that, that's the ultimate um, allegory for even ancient Israel's uh, idolatry. It's like, it's like a, a faithless bride. Yeah, And that's what I believe is happening when Catholics start wondering, wow, maybe there's all sorts of other churches out there. Maybe Jesus is just one incarnation of God. Maybe the Virgin Mary is just one of the many mothers of God. And this, I hope this sounds blasphemous to you because it is, but this is what the so-called Orthodox Catholic apologists are now saying. They're saying, oh yeah, that's fine. And then they've got chapters and chapters and chapters saying why that's fine. And that, to me, that's adultery. You, You just committed like adultery against God because- you, you're starting, you're, you're wedding yourself to all these ideas that are so foreign to the gospel, so foreign to the faith. And it's not just about the great deception coming. It is about that. It's about what you do to your faith here and now. It's, what you, it's how you undermine your faith here and now and how you water down your own recitation of the creed itself at mass when you start wondering if we're just one of all sorts of other in humanities or, or intelligent civilizations and our church is just one of innumerable churches spread throughout the galaxies. And Jesus is just, and this is what the ET revelations are saying. I got chapters in this as well. They're, they're coming down and saying, okay, so Jesus is the incarnation of this local universe. And there's actually a few other million universes and he's got several dozen under his charge, but then there's actually a million other incarnations, most of them much higher than him. And this, this is, this like is already Mormonism. infiltrated the church. Hugely. I was just going to say, that sounds like Mormonism almost. It is. And Mormonism is one of many uh, diabolical ET revelations. And there's so many others. And many of, you know, Mormonism explicitly hasn't infiltrated Catholicism. Well, 
so uh, implicitly maybe it has but there's a number of diabolic blatantly false private revelations uh, from the either from the extraterrestrials or about the extraterrestrials and they are infiltrating the church and and no one is trying to stop it and I'm, that's what i'm trying to do with this book so that's what really you know sorry to i'm droning on again because I'm, I'm very zealous about this as you can see so i got an infinite number of things i could say here but you asked me about what really got me onto this and when i started seeing um am i am i breaking up can you guys hear me did yeah. i suddenly start freezing? yeah no you're you're, no, you're still good, great. okay. Because I'm freezing on my screen, but hopefully I'm still coming through with my audio at least. When when I saw, for example, like Pope Francis saying baptize a Martian or something, yeah, and and I saw that Vatican nativity scene a few years ago, which looked like aliens, and and I just started seeing more and more apologists talking about how this is fine, and and it just it reached a critical, it reached a breaking point at some point about three years ago. And then even seeing Obama, and this is back to the world, seeing Obama say that once we discover extraterrestrials, it'll make new religions pop up. It it seems like there's great deception in the world and the church is brewing. Yeah. You got, you had Obama saying that about the aliens and then you have that, uh, what's that guy? Harari, the Uval, Uval Harari, Uval Harari. He's talking about how the AI AI is going it's going to make new religions because we have this new, new intelligence that can give us new scriptures and things like that. You really do see a very tight association between the AI and the alien thing. Mm-hmm. What, so now you're now the last time you were on, we talked right off the bat in the catechism. It does say man alone bears his image. So that's the right. title of the book. What did, what were you able to find back in like the fathers, things like that? Like, were these things actually pondered before? Oh, yeah. Huge. Oh, they were. And that's why I want, that's another reason I really want, that's one of the things that motivated this book is all these Catholic authors were, were arguing. And there was an article on, um, what's that garbage? What's that garbage? Uh, yeah. So, okay. So someone just put the name on there that I was avoiding <laughs> saying. So there's the one that has done apparently Catholic Answers radio shows against me that I haven't listened to. I, I haven't listened to because I didn't know they existed yeah. until like a day ago. And listen, but, even if they, but that, even if Jimmy Aiken disagrees with you on this, it doesn't, it, this, is the, this, this shouldn't be any real tension there. I mean, yeah. you, you, he's wrong. Uh-huh. He is, yeah. You know, and, and, but and, he, not, and I'm sure I'm sure he's a much better Catholic than I am. I'm just yeah, we're not making any ad hominem attacks. Like, we're I'm just saying yeah. He's, I'm he's sure just, everybody who says there's aliens is way better better Catholic than I am because I'm 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 a complete knucklehead. But I I do happen to be right on this, and it's nothing special <laughs> about me. It's just a really easy. <laughs> oh, you're to you got <laughs> I've got the whole Bible on my side. I got all the popes on my side. I got all the saints on my side. I like a, a kindergartner could have could have done this as long as could have written this book as long as he did the research. All I was all I'm trying to do is compile together what way smarter and holier people than I have yeah. seen, and that's my so. What uh, so yeah the the catechism thing I I did a video on, on the catechism and aliens and it got a good number of views and and some people looked at that and have completely mischaracterized my approach as saying he just rejects aliens because of this one paragraph in the catechism that was just one argument I decided I'd make a YouTube video about that's that's they're, they're talking paragraph three paragraph three fifty six I think it is if I recall correctly um I got the quote somewhere here. It's either 356 or 365. I always forget. But that's one of, oh, there it is, 356. Perfect. So that's that's one of about a thousand arguments I have against yeah. aliens. It happens to be one I made a YouTube video against. So some people seem to think that's my whole argument. In fact, that's a very small part of it. But yeah, it's a good, it, it, it does rule out aliens, this paragraph, if you if you submit to it, which we all should. It says, of all visible creatures, only man, 
is able to know and love his creator. So, and what, and here's something I, I suspect most people might just know. There's a certain uh, punctuation mark that comes after that. And that's called a period. And that, <laughs> that means that the thought that was just presented in that sentence stands on its own. It's not contingent. Yes, there's always context. That's always important to consider. But the teaching contained in that sentence is not contingent. It is not mitigated by what follows. And I'm sure I won't get into all the details sufficiently in this video here. So just understand that I've got this, I've got this fully uh, described in part two of my book. But what that says is that visible, of all visible, meaning material, corporeal, of all material creatures, in other words, other than angels, only man. And what is man? Man is a descendant of Adam and Eve. Only descendants of Adam and Eve are even capable. It's only even possible for man to know and love God. If there were aliens, and by aliens I mean incarnate, extraterrestrial, intelligent creatures, if there were aliens, they could know and love God by mere by by virtue of the fact they have reason. That is also Catholic teaching. It's actually Catholic teaching that God can be known and therefore loved on based on reason alone. A lot of Catholics don't realize that. They think, oh, faith is just a gift. I can't. I can't argue for God at all because it's just, you just have to have the gift of faith, whatever. And that, that's false. You can actually conclude with certainty. You, you can actually know God with certainty. This is also in the catechism somewhere, but I think it's quoting the first Vatican Council. You can know God with certainty from reason alone. Yeah. If you can, if you can contemplate your origin, mm-hmm. if you can contemplate your death, you can clearly contemplate who made you and where you came from. So if there's an intelligence out there that is incarnate, right? I mean, you're talking about something that is, we're not talking about angels and demons. Yeah, we do believe there are incorporeal. And they can know and love God, of course. And that's why the catechism specifically says, we're only talking here about visible creatures. Yeah. So the idea that there could be an intelligent creature that has rational rationale and rationality and, and reason to enough to build craft to travel through. And they, uh, yeah, they obviously have reason if they can do that. They have reason. <laughs> yeah. and better reason than us, apparently, because right. we can't even we can't even yeah, get to the moon. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> don't go there. Yeah, it's just uh, to me, it seems like a no brainer. And it, and it just seems so connected to the evolution thing that mm-hmm. the idea that um we are I, I think evolution plays the same game as this it's just to get you to doubt your faith if you look at um evolution as just a creation myth because that's all it is because every civilization that has ever existed throughout history had a creation myth and christianity has its own creation myth so if you want to get rid of christianity itself you have to get rid of its foundation which is the creation myth so you come up with this other way this other explanation for how we came to be and now that doesn't require a creator oh we just happened to that our our creation myth happens to be creation reality correct (laughs) well yeah but it's still if they could but if they could get rid of this foundational story for how we came to be they could throw in this other one and say that it just comes about through just it does. There's no right. there's no other explanation, but it just does. And now you no longer need there to be a God and a creator. And I think the alien thing just plays along with that, where they're saying if it happened here, it had to happen somewhere else. Yeah, because it really would. It would have to happen somewhere else. And the only way there could be 
alien life to me would it would mean that we are not created in the image and likeness of God and we are not because what are these things created in right and and you can say that with respect to of course that's above all a reference to the soul God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our soul is intellect, memory, and will. So we see the Trinity reflected in our soul. That's the primary way we're made in the image of God. But that's not the only way. We're also, and this is very clear in, in John Paul II, and, and there's other quotes in the book I have from other sources that make this very clear. We are also made in the image of God in our bodies. The human body is not some yeah. random way of making, uh, in, of making a visible, that is, material, corporeal creature in the image of God. It's the only way. This, <laughs> we, we love, we, we, Manich- this Manichaean heresy where there's, you know, spirit and matter and they're fundamentally opposed and, and it's all about just rising above matter and letting spirit override matter and reject it. That That's not Christian. That's not Catholic. The Catholic understanding is we bear the image of God in both body and soul. So if all sorts of of reptilian or insectoid looking aliens are also made in the image of God, suddenly that means we're not if, if we are made differently. And of course, we know that's not true. We are the unique creature made in the image of God. Body what were soul. some of the What were some of the coolest things that surprised you in your research? Like, wh- who who studied who 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 spoke on it that you were like, "Whoa, just, I didn't know." Uh... Just how right I was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the most arrogant thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's arrogant, but it's true. Just I went into this having a deep conviction, and I and I came to this from study and prayer that, that only man is made in God's image and all this alien nonsense. It's all a sci-fi deception, but I, I, I approach this from a blank slate and I have a little note on this in the introductory notes. I had no idea that there were all these authors before me, these evangelical and Eastern Orthodox authors before me who had written on similar topics. Um, I, I just had this, this, this Catholic, this, I live and breathe Catholicism. It's everything for me. And, and from that flowed this conviction that of course, only we are made in this image. Of course, there's not all these other civilizations he also made with other incarnations and other churches. That's just garbage. That doesn't jive with the gospel or sacred tradition at all. But when I, I like, I, I kind of approach this with some trepidation, knowing that there hasn't been a recent rigorous Catholic treatment of this yet. So I wasn't, I didn't know what I would find when I really embarked upon the research. But what I did find was that every single aspect you analyze this from confirms the conclusion that there are no aliens. The best that the alien promoters today can do is mine out a couple bogus quotes that were never said from a couple supposed saints or our saints, but who did not say what they say they said in relation to aliens. And they've got a few scripture quotes. They also completely twist which if we have time to, maybe we'll get to, maybe not. If not, I've got it all in the appendices of the book. But so that surprised me just how like every, <clears throat> whether it's scripture or the fathers of the church or the mag- papal magisterium or the count, the ecumenical councils from Chalcedon all the way up to Vatican II or, um, or private revelation or liturgy, no, like no matter what angle you approach this from, not a single one gives the slightest grounds for believing in aliens. And all of them, either explicitly or implicitly refute aliens, every single one. And, and that's one thing that pleasantly surprised me is that there's, there's really no confusion about this for a, an intellectually honest person who explores it. And I'm not calling you dishonest if you aren't sure about aliens. I know because this is there's so much confusion out there. But if you really explore this to, to the extent that I have over these last three years of an unbelievable amount of time dedicated to this, more than I want to even admit, 
for an intellectually honest person who does all that research, which I tried my best to summarize in this book, you will realize indisputably that there are no aliens. So that's that's kind of pleasantly surprised me. The other thing that surprised me was how unbelievably diabolical this has been for the last 75 years. Um, you can look at any, anyone of the most famous, renowned alien promoters in the world, and you can look at their public claims in their most popular works, and you can see the diabolical shining forth in everything that they propose. So you don't have to do this thing called nut picking. You guys know the phrase nut picking? No, what's that? Or nut picking is when you hate a movement. Oh, I, it's like straw manning. Yeah. So it's basically a straw man. It's a little less fallacious than that, but it's still fallacious because these are real. These nuts are real. Yeah. You find the craziest person arguing for some thesis, even if he's a no one, even if he's some fringe no one. And you mine out his most crazy quotes and you say, this is what the movement is. And you condemn it based on that's nut picking. Yeah. You don't have to nut pick with ufology. The most famous, renowned ufologists and alien ab abductees. All you have to do is look at their public statements and they are describing the demonic. They're, they're like veritably describing it. It's right there for everyone to see. And if you look at the, um, re the accounts of UFO sightings, even in general, you're left with 95 to 98% of the time. Some obvious, some earthly phenomenon misinterpreted, as I said, but the remaining cases, every single one, every single one, you are left with something that a demon could easily replicate. And that's why I have a whole chapter on this in the book is we've got thousands, if not millions, actually, for the last decades of claims of, of ET contact UFO sightings. Isn't it a little bit strange that all of the ones, 100%, not 99%, not 99.9%, 100% of the of these experiences that we actually have reliable testimony of, they only describe things that a demon could easily replicate. When like you start what? looking at, so a demon can, there's also, <laughs> people don't seem to realize what demons can do today. First of all, they don't, mm -hmm. most people don't believe in demons. So that's why we're so primed for this today. Of course, right when, right when people don't believe in demons, that's of course right when they would want to unleash their greatest deception yet. But the um, so a demon. Uh, I've got I've got several chapters in this actually, where I wanted to lay down just what a demon is actually capable of. Now, a demon cannot work a true miracle. That's the case. That's in, that's indeed true. That's, but people kind of emphasize that a little bit too much to their demise because a demon can seem to work mm -hmm. a true miracle based on our fallibility of interpreting what we saw. They can do all sorts of things that would seem like true miracles to us. A miracle being the suspension of, of the natural law. Actual full-blown suspension of a natural law. Exactly. Strictly speaking, only God can perform a true miracle and, and a complete overturning of the natural order. And a true resurrection uh, and any, any, any outright suspension even of the laws of of nature of any sort that that's a miracle and that would be from god alone but the demons can make it seem like they do that because they can modify light as it goes through the air they can modify sound as it goes through the air so they can easily take a bird flying or, or, or something else mess with those photons as they go through the air and hit either your eyes or a sensor 
that's that's what people this is a straw man people say oh but sensors are picking this up also sensors receive input from light and sound just as our eyes and ears do sure. of course if a demon's messing with something as it's shooting through the air it's going to interfere with the and sensor I, just and as much as I think we all us. know demons can mess with technology right and tech they they can mess with the <laughs> they can mess with the uh um and I actually have a little section on this also that I'll have to delve more into it in a later work, maybe, but they can mess with the, the flow of electricity going through digital circuitry. And that's why I think this weighs big into the AI deception as well. There are a couple domains where the demons have especially potent abilities. The atmosphere is one of them. And the fathers of the church wrote on this extensively. And it's even in scripture, you know, the prince of the power of the air, the fathers wrote extensively, Augustine even on, this isn't just a, a Greek father's thing. So, on how many illusions are, are wrought through the machinations of demons in the atmosphere. It's almost like they warned us verbatim against the UFO deception 15, yeah. 1700 years ago. It's amazing when you look at the quotes from these fathers, uh, whether it's uh, Anthony or Athanasius or Augustine, I've got lengthy quotes from, from all of them and more in the book, but they can, they can work all these marvels in the air because it's ephemeral. The more ephemeral something is, the less incarnate it is, the more power demons have over it. And, and also the, the more shrouded in darkness it is. UFO sightings, the vast majority of them, and, and yes, they happen in the daytime too. It's not like demons can't do anything during the day. But at night and in the atmosphere, that's the most ephemeral. And it's also where the demons have the most power. So what do you see with UFO sightings? They, they increase dramatically. And, and I drew from a number of studies that have extensively looked into this. They increase dramatically at nightfall. And then once people start going to bed, going to sleep, uh, naturally, of course, just statistically, they decrease. And then guess what hour they suddenly start increasing? Let me just let sunset. you guess. Sunset. Well, sunset uh, is when if that's the first increase. And then they, de they decrease when people start going to bed. When do you think At 3 a.m. right? 3 yes, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, 3 and, and you didn't even read you didn't read the book yet, right? <laughs> no, no, but it that's the that's like the witching hours. That's, that's, that's when everyone well. wakes up. That's right. nightmares and all yeah. And then you have those sightings suddenly explode at 3 a.m. Well, we also have these stories in Exodus where Everybody the magicians knows. of Pharaoh are able to manipulate things, right? right? We have the story of Saint Patrick where he's going up against the druids and right. they're able to perform these illusions that seem to be like miracles and things like that so obviously mm -hmm. they're able to do these things nick said that aquinas said part of the demon's punishment is that they have to be in our atmosphere according to aquinas so part of demon's punishment is to be in our atmosphere according to aquinas you know mm -hmm. and it it's probably no surprise that it's happening more and more when we have fewer and fewer blessed church bells ringing and like actually blessing the atmosphere there you go yeah the less protection we have the more the demons can do and and that reminds me to throw out there i am not at all encouraging any devout soul to be afraid of this i'm i'm sounding this alarm for the sake of those who would otherwise wander into these domains you've got if you're a devout catholic seeking out the protections that the church has given us and, and trusting in jesus christ you've got absolutely nothing to fear so don't do not let anything i say cause you to become anxious and fearful and worried that's not my goal here my goal is to warn those who would otherwise succumb based on their sci-fi based curiosity curiosity yeah. killed the cat and it kills many souls as well mm -hmm. so okay so um so you're saying almost all of these accounts are very similar and they all yeah and 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 i i was just getting warmed up 
you know, sit back and, <laughs> and get comfortable because <laughs> I can go on for hours about this. But really, and I'm I'm joking. I mean, I could go on for hours, but I won't. But real quick, it's not just that they can mess with light and sound as goes through air. So they can do three fun. There, there's several things they can. There's several categories of their powers that I go through in the book. But I, I would simplify it into three basic categories. They can mess directly with our senses. They can mess with light and sound as it goes through the air. But there's also a third category that, that too, too few people acknowledge. They can actually temporarily assume a corporeal form. So if they assume a corporeal form, they're not truly becoming incarnate. That's outside of a demon's power. So they, you, you can't accuse me of begging the question here, circular reasoning, by just saying, oh, I'll just claim any alien is a demon. No, I acknowledge that there's a number of things demons can't do. They, act, they can't leave a corpse that we could actually study in a lab that that would that would endure throughout time because because they can only temporarily assume a corporeal form they cannot truly incarnate themselves that's beyond their power but we have no evidence of an actual alien body just a bunch of claims and hearsay and garbage that will yeah. never be proven because it's all a lie but they can temporarily assume a corporeal form so this is what people don't get is if a demon has temporarily assumed a corporeal form and we know that's within the power of the angelic nature, which demons have angelic nature. They're not angels anymore because they rebel, but they have, they retain the capacities of that nature because they still have that nature. And of course, we know angels have that because they, in the book of Tobit and the three, three angels in, in, uh, with Abraham, the number of other cases in the Bible where angels assume a corporeal form. So a demon can do that as well. And if a demon has actually assumed a corporeal form, which doesn't mean that it's literally become incarnate, it just means that it's, it's, it's controlled it's decided to control its will is exerted over a certain amalgamation of molecules. And it's arranging them in such a way that there's really something happening there. If that's happening and it'll only be temporary, which is why these phenomena are always fleeting. They never have anything enduring that we can study. But when that happens, naturally anyone present would see it because it really is there. It's just not a real physical being. Yeah. It's a corporeal form that was temporarily assumed by a demon. Now, yes, admittedly, that requires a relatively long leash for the demons. Usually, throughout most of of the history of Christendom, they haven't been able, they haven't had the leeway from God's providence. Everything demons can ever do is only because God allows it. They usually haven't been given that leeway. But that's my, my whole point: is that people who say, that, "Oh, they usually haven't been given that leeway throughout Christendom's history, so they can't have it now," you're presupposing that my uh, argument is invalid in the very attempt in your very attempt to argue it's invalid. My whole argument is that this is the great deception. This is what scripture yeah. speaks of, of the strong delusion where God allows <clears throat> the demons, these, these abilities to delude us like never before. I believe we're in that now. And it still categorically has to involve only events that are within the power of demons. And it just so happens that everything, everything, in the ET UFO phenomena that we actually have evidence for is within the power of demons. Yeah, that's pretty wild. What were were there any? Oh, actually, there was one question. Somebody asked, right? Can can yes, demons can also be, manipulate? So our the demons. So the ima imagination being, you know, the phantasms and the corporeal in, in the in the neurochemistry basically is one way to put it. They can mess with that. They cannot directly access your mind or your will, or your memory. Now, the memory is, is debatable. So the, some strict Thomists do not pin memory as a faculty of the soul. I do. I am a Thomist. But I, I do believe that memory is a faculty of the soul, and that even that is memory itself is outside of the power of demons. So intellect, memory, and will. Uh, even the devil can't directly inject himself into intellect, memory, and will. Those are the strict domain of God. But 
because we're incarnate creatures, there's a lot of stuff going on in our neurochemistry that is fundamentally physical, but it's a very proximate effect of intellect, memory, and will. And the demons can mess with that. So it, it, this requires an immense degree of discernment. And, and by the way, a devout, faithful, pious Catholic is probably not going to have to worry about this at all. You're very protected. But for those who wander into Satan's leash, he can mess with their imagination to such a degree that they actually think they're remembering things or seeing things that are just not there at all or didn't happen at all. He can do that, yes. Man, what, were there any any stories that – because I remember even when the guy was on um, – was in, in front of Congress talking, right? He, they were like, so you're telling us you found bodies? He's like, I'm telling you we found non-human – Something like he was so <laughs> biological. He was just so unclear about it that right, it's like, dude, right. did you find aliens or not? Like, why right. are you being so vague about what you're because you're under oath and you won't just mm-hmm. come right out and say, yes, we found alien. But well, we found non-human uh, remains. That it's like, was it a dog? Was it, what do right. you mean? Was, was, it, was it a tree? Yeah, that's how this always is. That's how it's been yeah. for 75 years since Roswell. The the excuse is always the same every time i know it i just can't say it because it's classified they've been giving us this lie every couple years for 75 years and we buy it each time and and these these gullible catholics even buy it each time and they go promoting it i mean even the even the most famous so-called orthodox catholics they're not just saying oh you can believe in aliens and be catholic they're saying aliens are probably here which is an infinitely worse you know, you know, in the 1800s, when they were speculating about aliens, this was all abstract and theoretical. Since 1947, that's completely different. It, it's yeah. it's now concrete. It's now a, a question, not not just an abstract theological question. It's an immediate, practical question of: Are these beings? Are these other beings that God made that that we should be dialoguing with that are just like us, or are they demons? That you can't imagine a more practical question than that. How do we confront this phenomena? So. When someone goes beyond just abstractly believing in the possibility of aliens and wanders into the domain of saying, yeah, they're here, Roswell and the UFOs, they're here. You just wandered from danger and you just went from the frying pan into the fire. That yeah. That's just way worse. And that's why this is an infinitely more pressing issue than it was back in the Enlightenment days, which was evil enough back then that Catholics were talking about this. But it, it, it's it's infinitely more pressing and apocalyptic and spiritually dangerous today. It, it makes me worried that so many modern day apologists are willing to play around with these things. And and, mm-hmm. and it goes with evolution. Too. I mean, look, we're talking about Jimmy Aiken. Jimmy Aiken is uh, really great on some apologetics. I think he's really, he wrote, he wrote a great book on the church. The father's no best. That's a great book. I mean, he's really good on a lot of apologetics, but then when he gets into stuff like this, it makes me nervous because it, it's, it's just playing around with things that. Okay. So I, it it's as if they think by saying we believe in evolution and we're okay with the idea of aliens that they're appealing to people that will then go, okay, well, maybe those Catholics aren't so they're not like the Protestants who, who, you know, right. they're just fundamentalists and stuff, but it's, mm. it's like, they're not what a going pathetic to convert. Way to yeah. They're not going to mm. convert because you're saying the aliens are possible. They're not going right. to convert because you believe evolution. We came from monkeys. That's not, right. they're going to laugh. We've at been you saying that for many decades. Where's the wave of converts? Exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's just, 
look, if it's it's if it's going to damage the faith of those who already have the faith, I mean, especially with everything that's going on in the church right now, mm-hmm. there's enough things coming up against people's faith that to me, all I want to do is go back to a time when none of this stuff was so muddled and unclear. Right. I mean, you're just, everything just seems so muddled and unclear that they're shaking the foundations of every single thing we believed as Catholics forever. Mm -hmm. And it's, it just seems like one thing after another, they're just trying to whittle away at the foundation for all of us. But what they need is an umbrella to unify all this whittling away into one rebellion against God. And, and my, no, that that's why I, I think this is this alien stuff is so dangerous. I think this gives them the umbrella to unify. I, like, I really see it as the synthesis of all apostasies. I see it as the the one thesis they can unify all their whittling away of the faith against and, and just promote it under the under the guise of one deception. The aliens, they made us. They're going to save us. They've been guiding us this whole time. That the, these is what this is what they're saying. People, they're not just saying yeah. that they're here now. A lot the ET promoters, most of them are saying the aliens have been here for thousands of years. They're saying that Fatima was just a UFO. They're saying the biblical miracles. There you go, Dallas. They're saying that the UFOs made us and and that God's they're, they're they'll still believe in God, but they're pushing him into. They'll still believe in Jesus and God and and, Mar- and the Virgin Mary and the Church, but th- what what this does is it pushes them all off to the side. It still maintains superficial belief in them, but it makes them kind of unimportant compared to the aliens. And, you know, I had a student, I was grading papers some years ago, and this was back when, I don't know when exactly this was, but this is when alien UFOs were big in the news. And she wrote, all this, all these revelations, all this news about aliens, it just makes God and Jesus and everything look so small. <laughs> and when I read my student's paper who wrote that, it just broke my heart. And, and it reminded me, this is what they're doing. They're not trying. It's more dangerous than explicit apostasy because it's it's what St. Paul said in Scripture, that they will hold the form of re- – in the last times, they will hold to the form of religion but deny its power. So they'll still be able to go to Mass on Sundays and recite the creed with boredom and all that. But Jesus and the church and salvation history, all that becomes just kind of minimal, kind of minor compared to the astounding revelations the aliens are about to give us. That's where their real heart of heart lies. And that's another reason I think this is so apocalyptic. Yeah, I think think the great apostasy, we've been talking about it for a long time now, is not just people leaving the church. It's that people in the church still desire to be called Catholic, but don't believe the faith. Right. I mean, your typical cafeteria Catholic is someone who goes to mass, goes about the, the, the ritual, but doesn't really believe the faith anymore. And, and that to me, like, that's exactly what St. Paul's saying. They, they still hold the form, mm-hmm. but they, but they don't believe the actual faith. And I think mm-hmm. so many of these things coming together like this, even with artificial intelligence, right? It, they're all trying to, uh, cultures forever have dealt with non-human intelligences, we're dealing with demons and, and exactly. angels, right? Like, exactly. and we spent the past hundred years trying to dispel that superstition. There is no non-human intelligence. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And now we're trying to create a non-human intelligence. Right. And we have no idea what we're about to unleash on ourselves because people's desire to worship is so strong within us that if they do create some kind of 
fake intelligence in this world people are going to worship it. i mean we already do in a way right our mm -hmm. screens are on altars in our homes every one of our homes we have these screens on our altars and we sit down and we and we're, and we're just sitting in front of them and staring mm -hmm. at them and we give more time to that than any of us do to prayer anymore now we mm -hmm. have that now we have our screens in our hands. I mean, the idea that we won't worship this thing that's coming down the pike is so crazy to me and that people are going to just give themselves They're desperate over to. to. Yeah. Yeah. They're already desperate to. They're desperate for something to worship because we've become pagan atheists. And man is by nature a religious being. He's actually, man is by nature a religious being before any other definition of his essence. He needs to worship. And we haven't worshiped as a, as a culture for many decades. So. This idea of not, I'm glad you brought up that phrase, non-human intelligence, because that's actually the more broad deception that even the alien deception fits within. Now, I, I, I focused especially on the ET UFO deception because I think that's the biggest part of the NHI, non-human intelligence deception. But it's also this idea of truly human or truly rational AI. That's going to be the second biggest aspect of it. But there's even more. Birds of a feather flock together. The, the, the UFO promoters, the ET promoters, all of them, without exception, I found, are all also obsessed about the, about the emergence of sentient AI. But there's even more. There's even this push for the notion that animals, there's irrational animals, are also persons, are also rational, just like us. We just haven't yet unlocked the key to their communication. And this is yet another deception under the same umbrella. I, you know, I would have doubled the book's length so i couldn't do a, <laughs> too much more on it but i do have a chapter on this in the book and it's it, it ties so the biggest the most well-funded project right now to prove that animals are also intelligent like us and, and they communicate like us we just haven't unlocked it yet it's also called guess what seti it's not s-e-t-i it's they're not, not the even trying action. anymore they're not no they're they're just telling us that this is all the same diabolical deception but it's C-E-T-I. It's the Cartesian, and I'm, I'm caught, uh, Cartesian, something like that. Whales and dolphins. Search for uh, the search for Cartesian. I'm, but, I'm butchering it. But it's the yeah. search for smart dolphins. <laughs> yeah, smart and they've got dolphins. tens of millions of dollars in funding. And they are convinced that with AI being able to decipher the language of whales, we are going to be saved by the wisdom of the whales. <laughs> it, it, this is real. This, it's this like Star real. Trek Four. <laughs> exactly it's it, humanity is desperate for something other than us yeah who understands us because we don't believe in god anymore because we don't believe in the angels because we don't believe in the communion of saints because we don't believe in heaven and purgatory and hell because we don't believe in, in private revelation apparitions because we don't believe in any of that anymore even most catholics they're they're, they're they're closet deists unfortunately because they because people don't believe in any of that anymore they find the outlet for this fundamental need of the human heart for dialogue. They find it in these sci-fi deceptions about non-human intelligence. And that is why this last deception, I believe we're approaching the great deception, obviously, it mirrors the first deception. And I've been writing about this for a long time. The first deception was a non-human intelligence, a speaking serpent. And instead of saying, begone Satan, Eve started dialoguing because yeah. of her curiosity. And that is the exact same thing that's happening today. The, the, the serpent is not, a, the, the, the devil is assuming different forms, but he's still saying basically the same thing. Did God really say? Did he really say that? Yeah. He's not even explicitly, 
He doesn't begin by explicitly overturning a dogma. He injects himself with a curiosity. Just as he did with Eve, so he's doing today. I just want one of my comments to end up on the main screen. These guys can't, and these guys can say whatever they want. Thank goodness, because I got a lot more. I got a lot um, more. We, we had a question up there. We had a question up there, Rob. Uh, we have two. You... Okay, go ahead. Um, we'll start with the the older one here first. Um, so this this uh, Colby saying that Father Gergou Lagrange said that the existence of undis- undiscovered life forms is possible, not contrary to the Catholic faith. Garagou Lagrange said that it's not intrinsically abhorrent. He said, I can't remember the exact phrase he is, but I've, I've read that quote. He did not say it's not contrary to faith. He said it's not intrinsically something. So he's basically mm-hmm. agreeing with those who said, yeah, it's ontologically, metaphysically possible that God could create it. I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that God, that this is within his power. I'm denying that he did so. And in fact, there's another quote from Gary Lagrange that specifically said he didn't, it, it's not clear how this could work with the faith. I've got it in the book. Um, it, it would take me too long to find it right now, but I've got it somewhere in part two of the book where he basically said, no, like people are speculating about this, but it's not clear how that could make any sense with the faith. So it's, yeah, you'll find, and there's other quotes like that. And I've addressed every single one in the book. Yeah. That That's how you'll often find um Catholic alien belief promoted at first. You'll find they'll they'll almost always start with an alleged quote. And I know the Gary Grugant one is true. I know that's an actual quote. But again, he's not saying there's he's not saying aliens are fine with the faith. He's saying it's not. He's agreeing with a number of of theologians throughout church history who said it's not outside of God's power. Uh, he's not saying it's fine with Catholicism. But anyway, it's um you'll almost all Catholic alien promotion starts with some quote, whether it's real like that. Or mis- and misinterpreted, or whether it's completely bogus, like the supposed Padre Pio or John Paul II quotes, which are bogus. They did not believe in aliens. Yeah. But the the contemporary mainstream Catholic alien promoters, they based almost their entire argument on these bogus quotes, which I t- dedicate a lot of pages to in the appendices of the book, just showing we have no grounds for believing these quotes are authentic at all. I do have that Lagrange quote pulled up if you want me to read it. Yes, please do. Uh, he says, some seem to be of the opinion that on other heavenly bodies, perhaps there are rational animals of another species than man. But this seems to be false. For the term rational animal seems to be not a genus, but the ultimate species, according to the principle of continuity. For the highest and the lowest order, for instance, the sensitive life, touches the lowest and the highest order, namely the in- into intellective life. Hence, there is no conjunction of the highest and the sensitive life with the lowest and the intellective life, except in one species. And this is not susceptible to either increase or decrease. Yeah. So that's, is that the one that I have? That's the one I have in the book, right? Yep. So that's Garagul Grand basically refuting those. So I, I go into every possible avenue here, but there's a number of theologians who have argued they've tried to sneak their way out of the fathers of the church and the doctors of the church and two popes magisteriums who said, we can't say there's aliens. I mean, that's not the exact word they use, but Pope Zachary, Pope Pius X, uh, not 10th, uh, second, they both said, you can't believe. It, it, he, they said it's abominable to believe yeah. in the notion of other men uh, and other species, basically. So what some theologians have tried to do, they've tried to wiggle out of that by talking, by redefining man, redefining species, redefining nature, in all these weird ways that that basically borrow from modern taxonomy, which which the popes were not speaking under the context of. 
they were talking about the traditional definition of man, which is either philosophical, theological, namely rational animal, or a colloquial, namely descendant of Adam and Eve, you know, human family. Those are the two basic ways of defining man, philosophically, theologically, or colloquially. And they both converge perfectly in a way that refutes aliens. Anyway, Gerigul Grange was refuting those theologians who said, no, we can mess with the definition of species, biological species, homo sapiens, which was this invention from the 1700s, by the way. And we can use that to conjecture, to hypothesize the possibility of of men of a different biological species. Mm. And we can try to sneak our way around the magisterial condemnations of aliens that way. We can sneak away from polygenism and the condemnations from Pope Zachary and Pope Pius II that way. And this completely fails in like three different ways. And I tried to, I actually had to remove one of the chapters from the book because it was too long and I, I couldn't fit publication uh, rules for page length. But I have it on my website and I have in the book where you can find it on my website where I refute this. But Garrigou Grange does it directly in that quote. He points out, no, we've got continuity in the hierarchy of creation here. We've got angels, which are pure spirit, invisible, incorporeal. And then we've got one species, which is the soul, in other words, man, human beings, which are the sole uh, creatures who have both matter and spirit and are intelligent, rational. That's what Garrigou Grange is pointing out here. Th this doesn't admit increase or decrease. There can't be all sorts of other, other applications of this. There really can only be one incarnate species of rational beings, and that's mm. us. And it's also Catholic dogma because polygenism is a condemned heresy. It's also Catholic dogma that all men are descendants of Adam and Eve. So if you combine those two Catholic dogmas, you realize there can't be aliens. And this is why Pope Pius II and Pope St. Zachary, they didn't just say this is wrong. In their writings, they said this is pernicious and against the faith and, and abominable. <laughs> they, they were much harsher than I am in their, in their condemnation <laughs> of these ideas. <laughs> We, we were talking in the green room and I told you, it kind of reminds me of even the, like, because neither of us have really studied young earth creationism, right? It's, mm. it's, it's one of those things where to me, this, it's not nearly on the same level of if you find out that the world is 5 billion years old, like that, that really doesn't affect anything at all. But the idea that um, the, the way they do science nowadays is, they assume that okay. So when they when they find dinosaur bones, they they don't radiocarbon date dinosaur bones to de determine their age. They see where they land in like the sediment of of the of the earth, mm -hmm. and they say okay, well it's this deep into the earth, and we know that this much sediment comes each year, or this much erosion happens each year. So we could just multiply that by however many, and they do that based on this idea that the conditions on earth are unchanging from the beginning of time right. or from the beginning of the earth or whatever. So they say, okay, well that means it goes back 5 billion years. But if there's this cataclysmic event, like a flood, like a giant flood on earth, which when you watch even things like Graham Hancock's ancient apocalypse kind of suggests that there was this global worldwide flood. You see all these mm -hmm. cultures around the world all have a flood myth that that changes any kind of, uh, data that you would think that everything was the same throughout history. No, now you have this event that changed everything and washed everything up wherever the heck it did. So now you really can't say that these dinosaurs are 60 million years old because they're this deep into the earth. Yeah. So that, it, that's it, it fails for so many reasons. It, it, it's what, what they fail to acknowledge or even concede is that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. We've got a mountain 
of premise uh, of hypotheses built on one single unproven premise, namely that radiometric dating is 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 algorithmically consistent for millions of years, and it's never been proven to be algorithmically consistent beyond six thousand years. We've never verified yeah. it against another standard. And the, the example I always use is it's as if you were convicted of a speeding ticket for a hundred miles an hour for a radar gun that was only verified to work up to one mile an hour. You would never be convicted of that in yeah. court because any sane judge would say, this is garbage. You can't, I can't convict you of a speeding ticket based on something. We don't know if it even works beyond one mile an hour, but that's what mm -hmm. they do with all radiometric dating. So you talked about the sediments. Those that's, that's a type of relative dating, but any sort of relative dating in order to have any meaning, it has to, at some point rely on an absolute dating method. And the only absolute dating method is radiometric. There's nothing else. There's no other absolute dating method that has been used to date living things on earth beyond 6,000 years. You know, any elementary school kid knows that you can find out how old some really old thing is by how counting the rings on a tree. We found all sorts of trees with four to 6,000 rings. Guess what we've never found ever <laughs> a single tree with more than 6,000 rings. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't that weird if, if you believe that we got all these these trees that are tens of, you know, if you look online, you'll find all sorts of claims of tree, trees that are tens of thousands of years old. Read the fine print. Guess how every single one of those has been dated? Radiometric, whether carbon dating or some other radiometric dating. It's the single unproven premise on which the entire facade of this idea that there's, oh, there's humanoid, there's non-biblical man, there's biblical man, there's all sorts of of other primates that existed before us and that kind of had reason. That's all garbage. Yeah, they and didn't. Some people try they to use weren't that to human. They did not have the faculties of humans. So, yeah. and, so and there were I, there were no living things at all. I would say before six thousand years ago. And that's I didn't get into that in the book because I know I'll scare some people away. And it's you don't need to believe you don't need to believe be as hardcore yeah, that, as I am on that to realize there's no aliens. But <laughs> but it, it's true. There, there they, we have no proof of any living thing more than six thousand years old. They have a, there's a Catholic evolutionist who made a statement and he said, yeah, but we don't believe that God would purposely confuse us. So why would he, uh, you know, when, when and, and he said that because they talk, they talk about adaptation within a species and that, but I've heard that comment thrown out by Catholics at that point. And they go, well, why would God purposely lead to confuse us? It's like, well, he gave us a book yeah, and a story. I'm not confused. So, so why would he tell a story that's not <laughs> I read, yeah. true? <laughs> I read, I read the gospel of Luke and I'm not confused at all. Right. The gospel of Luke says father to son, father to son, father to son, all the way from Jesus to who? Adam. And who's Adam? Is he the son of Mr. Monkey? No, he's no. the son of God. That's what, <laughs> no. that's what Luke says. He's the son of God, not the son of God like Jesus is, but like directly created by God. There's no, you know, people say, oh, well, maybe there's there's a few million year gaps in that genealogy. No, there's not. There's no contextual. There's no philological. There's no exegetical reason. There's there's no grounds whatsoever to put a hundred thousand year gap in there. It's father to son, father to son. Yes, there might be a couple grandfather to grandson or something like that. The Levitical marriages, but it never gets. You could never argue for uh, these tens of thousands of year old rational creatures based on that exegetical method it would never work. So I'm not confused at all. When you say God wouldn't confuse us, I, I agree. What God has said is not confusing. What, but man confuses us all the time. And these wild ideas, we never saw them before the 19th century. So you want to just you want to just build a castle on sand. You want to build your whole worldview. Based on a few baseless conjectures 
that have been made by a bunch of people because that's what all their peers are saying and, and they'll get fired if they don't say the same thing, go ahead. But you're not building your worldview based on faith then. And that's what you should do. You should faith and reason. They never contradict, but they will often seem to contradict because we're fallible. And when faith and reason seem to contradict, guess which one you stick with? Faith. Because that's superior. And I'm saying that as a philosopher whose job is reason. <laughs> like faith is superior. That's that's That was um, settled in, in the first Vatican Council and a number of other places. Yes, they never contradict, but faith is intrinsically superior. So when they seem to contradict, you stick with the faith. No matter how many apologists out there, they're, they're terrified of seeming not relevant to the world. So they'll do anything that, that, that'll make them appear more relevant, which... It makes no converts, by the way. Like you, this makes no convert. It ju- it just shows you every single one of these topics that we discussed tonight. Every single one of them are things that chisel away at the faith of the little ones, right? So they're all mm-hmm. these things. These kids are being thrown at school, and the things that they're being told by the culture, the things that they're seeing on TV, and every one of them makes people eventually question their faith. I mean, when you get into the dinosaur question almost unanimously you'll hear people go yeah i don't know i didn't know how to make sense of dinosaurs and adam and eve and and then you have catholics coming in and saying yeah no adam and eve the story of genesis is just poetry knock it off it's not poetry i'm not saying it's a a a scientific account but it's also not poetry it is it is what and and that's pope Pope Pius the 12th he said in humani generis that it is a fact that genesis recounts history in the true sense you yeah. can't as as a catholic and, and as a christian of course but as a catholic certainly you can't write off genesis as mere myth yeah. it is settled that that this is history how to interpret each verse is not necessarily always immediately obvious but you have to approach this understanding that it is history it really is yeah, that's a good point, Stephen. <laughs> uh, Rob, do we have one more question? Because I want to go. We're going to go over to locals, and I. We Tom, I'm get sorry. In. I I I just drove. I just got no, that my was, soliloquies there, and I just can't stop. Is it like this is, is it late already? Oh my goodness! It's, it's getting there. But to listen to me. When when you see time go fast like that, that means it's a good show. This is amazing. So we're going so, to go over to locals, we, and we're going to discuss. We, well, not yet. I'll let you get to it. Hang okay. on. I'm just saying we're going to get into prophecy. End times, the church you know, crisis. We're going to talk good stuff. So, someone brought up an interesting one when Daniel, when you were talking about when you think the 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 more free reign of Satan started. Someone brought up an interesting fact about that time frame that is relevant to events happening today. So, wait, can I slip in one more thing about that that I realized I forgot to say in that regard? Yeah. Because I know you want to run to locals, but real quick. So not only is it Leo the Thirteenth Division, but it's also Pope Saint Paul uh, the Sixth. You know, everyone always quotes his "smoke of Satan" remark, but you got to look at the whole quote. When he, why did he say the smoke of Satan has entered the church? He said that at the beginning of the nineteen seventies. So he's clearly commenting on the years that led up to that. Mm-hmm. He said that the uh, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. Oh, shoot, I don't have it in front of me, but but because of the pagan prophets of science. Too few people ignore the rest of that quote. He's not just making some comment on, on liturgy or something. He's taught, he specifically said the pagan prophets of science. So they're using science as their false god to infiltrate paganism into the church. And that's how the smoke of Satan entered. And it was especially in the years leading up to that in the 1960s that all these theologians in the Vatican, like Karl Rahner 
and Teilhard de Chardin in, in the years before the 60s, just a few years before that, started saying, yeah, there can be multiple incarnations. There can be all sorts of alien churches out there. It was in the years leading up to that. I think Paul VI saw the smoke of Satan entering into the church through this ET deception and other deceptions as well. Sure. I'm not saying the other deceptions aren't also valid, but this I think is, is the Supreme one, the pagan prophets of science. Yeah. So the, I have the quote here that you have in the book. Oh, okay. He You're says, so good at finding those quotes. <laughs> I wish I could find them as well. Through I some, not throw this up. I had to throw this they blinded up. Us. <laughs> <laughs> They're blinding us with science. <laughs> Through some crack, the smoke of Satan has entered the church of God. We trust the first pagan prophet we see who speaks to us in some newspaper. And we run behind him and ask him if he has the formula for true life. Doubt has entered through the windows that should have been open to the light. Science. Science. That's what has It's the new the religion, man. It, it's it's so funny. All of this, I'm telling you, the, uh, man, I was not even thinking about Young Earth stuff six six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We had we had Hugh Owen on. It was, and it was this, Hugh Owen. Yeah. Hugh Owen's great. Broke, I quote him in the book. He broke my brain. I'm like, wait a minute. Why do I believe the same people <laughs> the, tell me? To the next something? day, I'm getting texts from Anthony like, have you seen this? The searching for dinosaurs documentary on YouTube. They, they find soft tissue. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the people who tell you that life doesn't begin at conception, the people telling you that this carbon dioxide is heating the earth up and we're mm-hmm. all going to die from climate stuff. Mm-hmm. The same people who tell you to take this stupid shot with right. oh, all the, I'm all, it all goes together. Yeah, yeah. These are the people telling me to let go of the faith that kept that literally the faith of my ancestors and that built Western civilization, throw that all out for this new thing. I'm not mm-hmm. doing it anymore. I don't trust mm-hmm. any of them. I don't right. care. And I don't right. care if people laugh at me for it because at first I was like, I don't know if I want to go down this young earth. I'm a young mm-hmm. earth creationist. I don't care. What mm-hmm. people say. I yeah. don't can't prove it, but I'm right. just makes yeah. so much sense. In times of confusion, stick with what you know you can trust. That's a yeah. simple formula. And, 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 when you're confused, you know God is not the author of that confusion. So you go back to what you know is reliable, the foundations of the faith, the magisterium, scripture, the consensus of the saints. You will find none of this garbage in any of those sources. Yeah, guys, I- I'm going to tell all of you, listen to me. Daniel, first off, I'm so he's one of my favorite people that we've met. I know I say that a lot, but I- we've met some really awesome people. Over the least the favorite year. of his favorite. <laughs> no, nah, man, Daniel, you're so cool, man. And and just we 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 ha- I mean, I could talk to you for four hours in the show. I, I, know. I feel right like by. we just started. We just we just started a few minutes ago, right? <laughs> We're not done. So because I want to get into um, I want to get into some other stuff because there's a lot of confusion. I mean, I know a lot of um catholic zionists that don't understand that the things that are happening in israel right now that they're getting very confused and they think that israel is the same israel that is spoken about in the old testament and 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 they're very confused about it and i I just it's stuff that i really don't know if we could get away with on youtube and i want to have a real conversation about it plus there's a lot of uh prophecy that you know is kind of lining up and i think that the synod just ended, and there's another one coming up next year. There's things I want to talk about that we could really get into. So we're going to head over there. Please go buy Daniel's book. Daniel's uh, a, a great I'll friend. I'll flash the- Do you, uh, the pro- maybe there's a link in the description. or, or- there Oh, you got it as well, Rob. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> so it's only man bears his image. You can look for it on Amazon. Maybe there's a link in the description or something. I don't know. but We will make sure there is a link in the description. Um, 
guys go check out Daniel's book. We'll also, uh, we'll probably cut some clips up to this. We'll put the link in all the clips that we put up. Um, a bunch of people already bought it. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm sure it's doing great. Right, Daniel. I'm sure they all finished it already. It, Easy. It's to, number one in cozy UFOs up by the fireplace. Yeah. Amazon, I got, right? I, I decided to troll the ufologist. I figured I put it in the UFO category <laughs> and make you know, put that, that I, catch their attention. I saw somebody wrote something funny. They said, I just bought Daniel's book completion date year, 2028. All right, guys, we're going to head over to locals. It's free. So if you guys aren't a member yet, it's still free. We just want to be able to speak openly without worrying about the YouTube sensors. So just go over to our locals, just join it. It's free. You guys can watch it live. If you're going to check this out on the replay, then you have to, you know, but if anybody that wants to come over now that's in the live stream can come and watch it for free. We're going to head over there now. Thank you guys. See you there. Okay. I want to play a video so I know where to cut this and... Okay, I'm. We're still on Twitter. I'm turning those. Yeah, off you can, I dogs. mean, you can leave it there. Are right? we? Are we? Are we live right now? Yeah, we're still live. Oh, we're yeah. still live. So yep. All we do is we cut the feed to YouTube, basically. So, gotcha. um, and then like, so people that watch, uh, people that listen on the audio, they get the whole show. If they just listen to the audio podcast, we just kill YouTube because that's where we're going to wind up getting right. Right, that's a lot of strategy. Save all the censor censorable stuff. They're the worst. YouTube's the the worst with censorship, man. So, but Facebook's pretty bad too, right? Twitter used to be terrible, but not now they're better. Yeah, yeah. Twitter wants a Twitter wants people streaming to there, so I think they they'll let anything fly over there. But I'm glad we spent the whole show discussing the book because I've seen a few interviews with you since the book came out, and most people just get you on just to talk the prophecy stuff because Mm -hmm. that's what you you you're most well known for, but. That was such interesting stuff, man. I'm like, I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for letting me drone on longer than I meant to. I, uh, I, <laughs> I just can't stop myself with this. I keep meaning to do a better job with watching how long I'm going on, but I didn't, I didn't today. No, when, <laughs> when, when that happens, that means you're just having a good conversation. I mean, that, that, I, I couldn't believe how fast that went by because I looked up and I'm like, whoa, I know it's weird. It's 20 minutes then. <laughs> um, we got about 36, 37 minutes left. Before locals will shut us down. Okay. Yeah. Then that's then that's they cut us off. So um, so what do you make of the whole situation over in Israel right now? I mean, to me, it just looks like the rumblings of World War Three about the start, yeah. and I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, but it's coming either way. In World War Three, we've been it, it's clearly been coming. I mean, it's clearly been coming for a long time, but it became obvious that this is on the docket when with the Russia Ukraine war, but. That drags on. People forget anything that's not breaking news. That's the Crazy. nature of the world today. People, are, people, have, everybody has ADHD or some or some other acronym, and they uh, they don't remember anything that's not that didn't happen that didn't begin in the last several months. So you know when that dragged on, people started when that first happened. Everybody was saying, "Oh, most people were saying, okay, this is this is happening." You know, clearly the the world order that we knew it's gone." And, and I don't know what's coming next. People started admitting that. But then as time went on, they started thinking, no, maybe, no, maybe this is just another thing that'll peter out. 
And then I think this with Israel and, and Hamas, that this was our reminder. No, this is it. Like there, there's really, I hope I'm wrong. And I, and I encourage everyone to pray and fast and, and petition to God that I'm wrong, but I see no, I see no reasonable likelihood that the trajectory towards the third world war that we're on right now is going to change. And this Israel issue was our reminder of that. Now, I think it's more than just a reminder of that. I think there's more to this than just the rumblings of World War III. The the evangelicals and some Catholics, they go way too far because they think Israel is still uh, the... The uh, the recipient the, of God's I think blessing. The state of Israel is still the, right. The recipient of the the of God's blessings promised in the old covenant. Exactly, and that's because now this started off as a big evangelical thing, but it's become big in in Catholicism as well because of how politically. I guess we need a new word. There's politically incorrect for the secular world, and there's what pastorally incorrect for the <laughs> ecclesial. <laughs> It's pastorally incorrect to point out that the Catholic Church is the new Israel, but that is true. So, you know, it is indeed the case, as is even said in the New Testament, that the promises of God are irrevocable, uh, something like that in St. Paul. The, um, yeah. But it's tr- that indeed they're irrevocable. But those promises to Israel, they apply to the Catholic Church today, because the Catholic Church is the new Israel. There is no exception. There's absolutely no exception to the call from Christ to baptize everyone in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. But this is also part of the great apostasy. It's this idea that there's this select group of people that are exempt from that call of Christ for everyone. Yeah. To be to be baptized, and that group of people is called the Jews, and they're they're supposed to just remain with their covenant because they got their covenant and we got ours, and that is a diabolical deception. There's we are now in the times of the new and eternal covenant. There will never be a new covenant because this is the eternal one. So the evangelicals, there's a lot of dispensationalists in the in the evangelicals who think that there's going to be that you know we, we have Old Testament covenant, we've got the gospel covenant, and there's some other covenant coming next. There's never another covenant coming next. This is we have the new covenant until the end of time. But the, the, a lot of evangelicals, they think they look to Israel and they still see that as, as the recipient of God's blessing. They don't realize that the Catholic church is the new Israel. So they're still looking as their primary prophetic harbinger. They're still looking at Israel and there's a lot of well-meaning so-called prophets. And I don't doubt that they have some divine insight and not rejecting them completely, but you know, like Jonathan Kahn, you guys are so acquainted yeah. with him at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Never read the books, but I've neither have I. I've but read his book, Return of the Gods, mm-hmm. and I've read his Harbinger book too. I think now you, if you've read it, you know more than I do about him. But I, can, can you? Are you able to give me the gist of his? He's he's, he's just he he really does think that there is some special place where Israel needs to build a third temple, and it's very scary stuff because what you're saying by if you're saying you want a third temple built, what you're saying is the new covenant is not not valid because you're trying to bring the old covenant back right and and what what's weird is the people who missed the messiah the first time the jews who missed the messiah the first time were the zealots and the pharisees because they were looking for an earthly kingdom Mm -hmm. and that's what these christian zionists are asking for now they want jesus to come and reign in this new temple as an Mm -hmm. earthly i mean this is the very thing that that made the first Jews missed the Messiah. Right. 
And and that's why like Jonathan Con- and he's just one of many voicing similar things, but he calls himself like a messianic Jew, whatever that's like Jew. that that's supposed to mean Christian. If if you're a Jew who accepts Christ as God, that, that means you're not a Jew, you're a Christian. So yeah. it's just weird. It's intrinsically contradictory. And and he's a great guy. Like for anyone, any fans of Jonathan Kahn watching this, he's a great guy. I'm not condemning him. He's just confused, like many Catholics today are also. He so the the um when when you advocate so the third temple they will try to rebuild that i believe oh but yeah the problem the question is whether you look at that as a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> like the antichrist will rule it's exactly the, right it's the harbinger yeah. of it of the antichrist it's not a harbinger of a good thing you know, it, like and it's it's all within god's permissive will of course so we, we we're not called to be worried about this just to pray but the Jews, we know from many prophecies, I think this might even be magisterial. And of course, the, we, we of course wait from even scripture, the, the full measure of the Gentiles. Um, we know that many of the Jews will be the first and primary ones to welcome the Antichrist. I mean, they, they've been waiting for thousands of years for the Christ. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't realize that he came 2,000 years ago. But there's you got to give them credit for that. As I said uh, with... Um, when did I? I think I was. I can't remember if I was on with Mark or, or uh, Mother and Refuge when I pointed out. Like you got to give them credit for how long they've been waiting. They've yeah. been, <laughs> the Orthodox Jews. They've been waiting for four to six thousand years for the for the um, fulfillment of the promise. So they are primed and ready to welcome the ape of Christ mm-hmm. when he announces himself. And we know that the Antichrist will strive to ape Christ in everything. So I suspect that he'll come through Jerusalem in the context of this attempt to rebuild the third temple, which I I think what's happening now may well be a harbinger of that. If there's anything that riles up one's base, it's a war. And Mm -hmm. I think that the Jews around the world, they're being riled up right now for the fulfillment of their promises. And I think this might, what we're seeing right now before our eyes might well impel the rebuilding of the temple, which by the way, as I also mentioned last week, um, the the biggest one of the biggest et religions ufo religions or alienism their big thing is rebuilding the temple in jerusalem <laughs> do, do we want to uh connect the ufos to israel further because so <laughs> well i you said that that you think satan was given this power around like 1947 right okay i figured you might have that <laughs> oh this Continue. is so great oh i want to sit back you guys take me on a trip let's go <laughs> well the state of israel was created in 1948 mm-hmm. and wasn't the war that caused that 47. in 1947 yes so and and I, I i i'm sorry i probably have my historical facts a bit messed up here so israel the war of 1947 that was can can you can anyone clue me in on the details of that who the so How did that play out. So that area, the Levant, Palestine, Israel, whatever you want to call it, was under British control after World War One as British mandatory Palestine. Um, they had promised it to the Arabs, to the French, into the Jews, and of course they ended up just keeping control of it. <laughs> um, but after World War Two, um, both the Arabs in in and the Jews there started agitating against the British. They were both attacking the British. The Arabs, um, you know, would, would do hit-and-run attacks, and the British responded very harshly against the Arab population to the point where, like, they they killed, like, I want to say over 50% of, like, the men and, the men and boys, wow. you know, in reprisal. 
while the, the, the Jews were also carrying out attacks, they, for instance, bombed the King David Hotel in Jerusalem, uh, which was the you British. The, Pal- the, the Palestinians. What? So no, the, the, the Jews bombed the King David Hotel, oh, okay, okay. which was the British base of operations. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but anyways, uh, the UN, as one of their first acts of the General Assembly after the UN was made after World War II, uh, declared um, declared the end of, of of British mandatory rule, and I, th- oh, I this was I'm a little the UN. that's even more interesting. Yeah, it was, it was one of their very first acts, and I mean we all know how the little power the UN actually has in terms of like right. what a vote in the General Assembly yeah. means. It means nothing, mm-hmm. but the one of their first votes in the General General Assembly ended British rule, and there was supposed to be like a shared. Um, shared state solution but then the jew started more or less honestly ethnically cleansing the it Arabs. was an ethnic cleansing is what it then, was and it, it's a, a lot of people don't know that history i mean they they displaced millions of people jews were they were two percent of the population prior to world war two world war one and then they're about 30% of the population by the end of World War II before the mass immigration after you know the Holocaust. So even, even at like 1947, there's still a minority of the population and they start pushing the Arabs out of the areas and then the Arab states attacked. And so was- they, so at that point, they, they, so they won that war and they gained the Holy Land for themselves. And that was basically yeah. the first time since the whole history of the church that they've had, the Jews have had the Holy Land. Is that, am I correct in that? Yes. I mean, okay. So who controls the Dome of the Rock? Right now, that's, it's a mosque. That's right on the border, right? Yeah, so that's right, the western old city is, is Jerusalem's like an international city. It's, there's Mm -hmm. no one directly controlling it. Okay. And so that's, yeah, and I think, and I didn't, I did not go into this in the book, but I think that that's another indication that something changed in 1947 specifically, because we've always known, the saints, the church, the, the we've always known to look out for this, this new unleashing of something going on with the Jews and the Holy Land and, and the temple as a harbinger of the Antichrist. And for them to suddenly regain Israel for them to, to come back there then you know the opposite of the diaspora you know the anti-diaspora mm-hmm. them, them coming back in yeah is consolidation and this this idea and and I, I know maybe it was last time with you guys I can't remember maybe I mentioned that even in the gospels you know the Jews they said you can't be the Christ because when the Christ comes no one will know where he came from and that's why they rejected him because they knew he was the the son of Joseph and Mary, right. Joseph and Mary. So they said, and I think, I think that's a little clue that, and, and maybe I'm wrong. This is speculation. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I see in that a clue that the Jews, when the antichrist comes, will welcome that as out of this world. Now the antichrist will be just a man. We know that from all the prophecies, but he'll lie about who he is. He'll claim to be God in some way. And I think he'll claim this sort of pseudo divinity based on this extraterrestrial deception. I think that's a very real possibility, if not likelihood. So I'm watching out for that. I'm watching out for the Jews suddenly welcoming this Messiah-like figure who doesn't make his origins clear at first. He won't say who he is or where he came from. 
He'll just say his mission. And then maybe at some point he'll either say he himself is an extraterrestrial or he's in contact with them or he's an emissary of them or who knows what. Some, I think there's a good chance it'll have something to do with this UFO ET deception. And even if the Antichrist himself doesn't claim that as his origin story, we still see everything happening with this deception kind of heralding the rise of the Antichrist. But yeah, that, that's so the whole you, thing. So you think Israel. the day of disclosure is going to be in tandem with the re- revelation of Antichrist as well, right? Like, I mean, it's obviously just theory, right? We don't know that for a yeah. fact, but yeah. you think the two will be associated in some way, right? I think it will be associated, and I and I pure speculation here. I would guess the day of disclosure would have to come a little before. Mm-hmm. So the government is going to have to say, yeah, they're here. They're going. This is going to have to be the final push to get as many as people as possible to believe that aliens are now here. And once they have as many people as possible believing that, then the devil sees that's his opportunity. That's his opportunity to pounce. Because the devil, he's, he's an opportunist. And I point this out with respect to some of the so-called ET encounter events. He, the devil knows he can't do certain things. He knows he's not incarnate. He knows he can't uh, work a true miracle. But when he sees that that um, he doesn't know the future, the devil does not know the future perfectly. He can, he can guess at it way better than we can. And he knows certain things about it because he knows all the prophecies, but he doesn't actually know the future itself directly like God does. So when he sees that things have happened that are perfectly conducive for him to suddenly act, that's when he acts. And I think that when we see this actual day of disclosure from the government saying, yeah, there's aliens, then we're only moments away from the Antichrist revealing himself. That's my that's my speculation. Yeah, it's just a theory. So, um, yeah. I mean, we also know um, it's easy to bring order out of chaos. And if you mm-hmm. did have an event like that where the government disclosed, it would cause chaos. Like I mean, never it would, before. I mean, absolutely. It would cause a- absolute yeah. chaos. <laughs> and it would it would give rise to a, uh, a messianic figure mm-hmm. to calm the storm. Oh, guys, follow me. And yeah. all the church fathers, uh, they were almost unanimous in saying that the Antichrist would be Jewish, right? Yes. Jewish, because yep. um, again, he's got to mimic, he's got to ape the things of Christ in every way possible. And, and, and you know, some prophecies have spoken of it being, uh, you, know, you know, of course, Christ himself is born of an actual virgin. So the Antichrist, some prophecies have indicated he might be born of a false virgin, you know, like a nun who's ostensibly a virgin, but he's not. So we have to understand the Antichrist will be 100% man. Just, just yeah. as much as anyone, but yeah, he's not the devil incarnate. He's not. There's no yeah, because there's no such thing as an incarnate demon. With that, that's always we're always speaking. I, I, I've used that phrase before, but that's pure hyperbole. Um, the the but he will have completely given himself over to Satan, and he'll be if his circumstances will be such that he'll as much as possible mimic the actual Christ, because that's what the devil always wants to do: ape the things of God. So, and and there's this great prophecy of Fulton Sheen. He, I think it's a prophecy, at least. He describes the Antichrist in, in ways that really hearken to this deception we're looking at with the ETs. And guess what year he gave this prophecy in? 1947. <laughs> that, first off, you guys never heard that Fulton Sheen talk. He talks about the ape of the church in that mm-hmm. talk. It is chilling because mm-hmm. it sounds so similar to what we are witnessing happen in the church right now that it it's scary. It is. And I can't think of what else to call it but a prophecy. I know some people would just say this is a warning in a radio address, but when I see how accurate it is, I see it as a prophecy. So that's what I'm going to call it because that, that's that's what it is. And this guy is clearly a saint. He's only venerable now because his cause keeps getting held up by people who don't want to see him canonized. But uh, he'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll be canonized in, uh, in due course. 
Um, so w- he's warning against this this great deception, and 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 uh, I mean, it goes on and on. It's a long address, and you've probably heard because it's made its way into a number of, of major Catholic articles a line or two, where you, you may have heard the quote um, that the Antichrist will will not call himself that because then he would have no followers. He'll he'll uh, introduce himself as the great humanitarian, and that's that's a great quote line as well. But you might have only seen a couple lines from that address. You got to find the whole thing. Now I couldn't put the whole thing in my book. So we'll talk about the brotherhood but, of man without exactly. the fatherhood of God. Yeah. But I got a couple of pages of it in the book. So find you know, and I and I'm pretty sure I cite where I found the whole thing. It's on a number of places online. But read the whole prophecy; it's amazing. Now he's also specifically addressing the context of Russia in, in, in a historical in certain historical circumstances that have since subsided. So you got to you know he's not directly describing what we'll see ahead but it's very close yeah um but i think he he was always because he dealt so closely with communism and he dealt so closely with bella dodd and all those things i think that he he was very affected by that but when you really look at the effects communism had we're seeing it in our own country i mean you're seeing that's the thing where we already we've already kind of passed that phase communism already has spread so we're not seeing it from moscow anymore we're seeing it it, it's already imminent in our own institutions so sheen looks at that as coming like directly from moscow because he's speaking you know he's he's got his own historical context in mind but we're now at the time where communism's errors as our lady fatima said they've already spread everywhere so now we see them not coming from moscow if anything moscow's you know not in line with our errors as much yeah. anymore. What we're seeing now is these errors of communism arising from within our own institutions in the West. L- less being the economic things as much as evolution and feminism and abortion. Right. They, and, they, yeah. 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 So uh, have you noticed, um, because I know, have, have has there been an, an uptick in, private revelation in the past few months or i mean we always hear a lot about october right october is yeah. always a really a i mean it was really when fatima happens the, the big miracle of the sun happens akita happens in october so i i just know even before the synod kicked off we got that res- the first response to the dubia kicked off october mm-hmm. and it was basically fernandez ghostwriting for francis giving what seems to be uh, don't ask, don't tell for the Catholic right. Church for priests to go and give gay blessings. Right, right, yeah. Which is such a, which is exactly what you should expect with the Great Apostasy. It's not like a direct do this. It's a, if you're twisted and perverse, here's your implicit permission to do so. We'll turn the other. We'll turn the eye. We won't. Right. So you can, and that's you know, if all the pro, and I've been writing this for 15 years now, like all the prophecies have been saying. The great deception, the great apostasy is coming. You got to stick with the true magisterium. The the error, the heresy, the blasphemy, the apostasy, it's going to reach the very pinnacle of where God's providence could possibly allow it to reach, but not one inch further. And we're seeing that threshold get we're we're starting to get so close to that threshold right now. If all the seers, and I know they're not all authentic, we're we're dealing with a minefield here and trying to discern the living seers. It's not a matter of infallibility or anything. But when you look at what they're all saying, and they're all basically warning of the same basic thing, that gist of what they're saying, that's from God. And God has been warning us in recent decades, especially since Father Gobi, who I still believe, and I think I think he's amazing. Um, he warning Our Lady warning of this great apostasy infiltrating the church as, as and this this urgent need 
to stick with the true magisterium. So why this qualification from all these seers? Why the true magisterium? Why that word true? Before It's because there's going to be a shadow. Yeah, there's going to be a false pseudo-magisterium that's not the actual magisterium. It's going to be all these hints and synods maybe that they have no magisterial value at all. All these things that seem to people who don't care about the truth, they seem like the magisterium, papal opinions, but they're not actually. a non-magisterial catechism. Exactly, non-magisterial. And by the way, I was thinking about the cat, you know, what gives the catech, and I'm huge on insisting on the catechism, but what gives the catechism its magisterial value is that Pope St. John Paul II promulgated it with an apostolic constitution in 1992. Now, from a logical first, a first principle of logical thought is that no effect can precede its cause. You know, that's even, that's prior to the faith. You've, if you have a brain, you know that no effect can precede its cause. So if, if the value of the magisterium derives from that apostolic constitution, which it does, because the ma- a catechism itself has no intrinsic magisterial yeah. worth. It has to derive from papal magisterium, which mm-hmm. John Paul II gave it in 1992. You can't take that, 90 time, that 1992 apostolic constitution and claim that it before in time gave magisterial weight to something they tried to slip into the catechism decades later. And you know, this just kind of, popped into my head a couple hours ago actually so i haven't developed this this fully yet but you got to be careful it's quite possible that they could claim that something's been added to the catechism when we have no actual magisterial grounds for claiming that it has the same value as something that was in the catechism when john paul ii gave it magisterial value does that make sense am i Am I yep. making any sense here? Or am I just feel yeah? It already has has the, the the apostolic constitution to go and change it now. He'd ha- he'd have to redo that apostolic exactly. constitution, and we yeah. haven't had a reiteration of an apostolic constitution promulgating the magisterium since additions to it. So yeah, we don't have. You can't claim that an effect precedes its cause. If you want to claim that an addition to the catechism has the same magisterial weight as the original catechism's words, you would need another papal formal magisterial act giving it that value yeah. and we've never had that since 1992 yeah. do how well do you know our lady of good success is that uh, quito ecuador uh, yeah yes. quito ecuador so where- just a little bit and because i keep meaning to become versed on this but i'm sure you you probably if you brought that up you probably know more than i do so fill us in well no i just know we always hear the phrase rome will lose the faith and i never know what that means like does that mean the so city of rome or yeah, does that actually isn't mean- that la salette or is, that might also be quito that might also be a lady uh, yeah i might be getting them wrong but, i don't know which one no because no, i quito said something very similar and i wish i could remember it and, and i've always meant to do an article on this and i, and I still haven't because there, there's there's debate as to exactly which prophecies are from the original Our Lady of Good Success messages in which were... Uh, La Salette. Rome will lose okay, the faith. La Salette, so La Salette is Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. So Rome, and that's what, like, I would caution anyone against saying that a valid Pope can really be the Antichrist. I don't think... Yeah, I don't can. think that's possible. But Rome is just a city. Jesus yeah. said nothing about Rome. He said, yeah. Peter, I will... And, 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 you know, in the Middle Ages, Avignon was the head of the church. So... There, there's no divine guarantee about what happens in Rome. Rome will lose the faith. I believe that's true. Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. I believe the I believe the false prophet who will work in tandem. I would say the Antichrist is a secular ruler, and the false prophet of Revelation is a false pope, an anti-pope. And I believe that false prophet will claim to be pope, and he won't be the pope. And I think he's coming, maybe next, actually. So I think he's coming very soon. Okay, he'll so be in Rome. 
So the, the thing is that even in that Fulton Sheen prophecy, he says where a papal election will be held mm-hmm. outside he of ends, Rome. He ends the quote um, with that, the, yeah. And he's and and the thing is, if you look back to see the types of antichrists, like uh, even if you look in the Book of Maccabees, mm-hmm. what you have is an invalid high priest invites a secular ruler into the temple. So that kind of lines up exactly with what you're saying, where you think there might be like an anti-pope or a false pope who invites a secular, you know, the antichrist in mm-hmm. to rule mm-hmm. from Rome. So that kind of does line up with that. Yeah, because, you know, the Antichrist, he'll want to delude the whole world, and only Catholics look to the Pope. Now, everyone knows, even if only implicitly, that the Pope is the spiritual leader of the world. So, yes, the beast, the devil, he'll need his two ultimate minions. He'll need a false prophet in charge of the church, seemingly in charge of the church, and he'll need the Antichrist, the beast, in charge of the world. And they'll work in tandem, just like I also, I do believe in the prophecies of the great Catholic monarch and the angelic pontiff. I believe that when the false prophet and the beast are reigning, either before or during, or it's, and I don't have the timeline, you know, settled. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we can't know. I'm I'm speculating here. But I I do believe that there will be the angelic pontiff and the great Catholic monarch. I think they will reign the remnant in tandem before. Now, obviously this, these deceptions about, Jesus reigning physically in in Jerusalem and and his coming in the flesh that's all deception and, and so even though some evangelicals believe in it but I do believe in the era of peace the triumph of the immaculate of Mary yeah and I believe that we will have during that time the great catholic monarch and the angelic pontiff reigning but I think they'll actually come before the era of peace and I think they'll shepherd the remnant during the reign of the antichrist and the false prophet man it's crazy when you think about the time that we're alive in it's something these are the best times in the history of the world to be alive, I believe. And it's, don't have any fear. Be excited. It's it's crazy because a lot of people are so so traumatized by what's going on in the church, but it really is a pretty exciting time. Look, first off, right now, we're not suffering any persecution. So <clears throat> right off the bat, you can become a saint, mm-hmm. right? And there's no, there's hardly any obstacles in your way other than the the good life. That's the biggest obstacle in your way right now is mm-hmm. comfort. Right. There's there's no persecution. Your your daughters and wives aren't being kidnapped and beheaded and things. So Unless you're watching this in the Middle East or Africa right now, but, right? Yeah. Because those Christians are really They're dealing with persecution. Yeah. But that, but the thing is, if we get a holy pope next, you'll see that, right? Like I, I really mm-hmm. do think all of the persecution is being held at bay right. because you have this hippie pope for lack of a better term playing right. their game right. right making it you know i mean look Whoopi goldberg was just there and she went there mm-hmm. to thank him for her gay friends and her divorced friends and this is really the rhetoric that's being told to the world right now so there they i think all the media everyone has a basically a a, a command to don't say anything about Francis. Don't touch any of the abuse crises things. Don't touch mm-hmm. any. Just let this man do what he's doing right now. Not just mm-hmm. that. Bring all the celebrities in to go in and and talk more about this synod. This synod hey, is going to change everything. Do you know how we'll know who the great monarch is? No. By their ban on women drivers. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we, need a, yeah, we need a clear indication here. <laughs> <laughs> women will lose the ability to drive. <laughs> But yeah, it's just it's it's an awesome time to be Catholic. It's it if people Best are time. scared, Best I mean time. I feel like there's so many of the things that we're watching right now that were foretold that we should be more confident than we ever have been. 
Amen. I, I and I obviously I read these things a lot, and I, if if anyone's if anyone has grounds to be afraid, it's me, and I'm not at all. And and uh, it's not because I'm holy, because I'm not holy. I'm I'm just yeah. some idiot. But I I know I, I do trust Jesus. I do trust God. I know He's absolutely in charge. And I know that He, if He allows these great chastisements to come, it's because He's got something even better that He's working out. Because even though even, anything that God so much as allows, He's omnipotent and all good. If He even allows something to happen, it's because He knows He's bringing a greater good out of it. And Christ will triumph above all in heaven, of course, but I believe he will also triumph on earth. We remain faithful and we can have every hope of seeing that. Are you, are you off topic? Are you still working a day job, like a regular day job? Yes. I'm still teaching. I'm still uh, teaching philosophy. Get out of here. That is crazy, man. You're I, I got kicked out of my PhD studies, but so the students are required so I was working, on, I had my master's, which is why I can be a professor, but the students are required to have, were, were required to have the jab, but not the professors. So I, <laughs> I, I, I was, I can still be a faculty member at the same university system that I can't be a student at. Now, now oh. they since got rid of the mandate uh, this past year. So maybe I'll, I hope to resume my PhD. How old are you, Daniel? What do you think? Uh, Mid thirties? <laughs> uh, yes. I just turned, what did I just turn? Thir- I think I just turned 37. Thirty-seven. Yeah, I figured. That. <laughs> I, I, I definitely knew you were younger than me. I think you're Rob's age, so that's about right. We're all about um, the same age, right? You're, yeah. What are you? 20, I'm, I'm going to turn thirty-five. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Man, that's crazy. I feel and, uh, old. I'm older than God. You know, <laughs> he was never more than thirty-three. <laughs> yeah. but i'll tell you those thir- those early 30s are a milestone though right when you hit mm-hmm. 30 you're like oh boy this is when jesus starts his mission man what's going on no my hey. faith really came alive at 32 it was it was pretty cool okay that's a good, um, that's a good age. uh how, how long are you married 10 years just over 10 years oh look at you good young man five kids so far thanks be to god our youngest is uh nine months or uh, almost a year so oof those God days, are, those days is <laughs> <Yeah>. tough. Always, <laughs> always little, plenty man. to do. Always plenty to do. Oh man, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on with us, dude. I know you're busy. I know a million people probably want to get you on. Oh, right thank now, you for but... having me. No, no, I'm, I'm the honor is all mine. Truly, you're such a fun person to talk to, man. I, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple months off. We'll, we'll give you a little breather, but <laughs> no. I'm going to definitely ask you to come back all on right. down the road, please man. Do. It's, it's too fun do. to talk to you to not ask you to come back on. <laughs> um, anybody that's still around, please go buy Daniel's book. We will make sure we put that in the link. I'm going to promote it as much as I can. Even next show, we have uh, Nancy Charles, Joshua Charles's little sister, oh, coming wow. on thursday her conversion story she she went from uh about to transition in the trans movement and she was basically suicidal and then had a like a miraculous conversion wow praise god so we're i'm really excited and she watches our show i I don't know how she came across us but i think because her brother was on so joshua was on (laughs) i think that's a pretty easy (laughs) yeah so she saw our show when joshua was on and she just kept watching so i talked to her and she's gonna come on and tell her story then uh all souls day i got taylor marshall coming on all right so we're gonna get taylor on all souls day we got a lot and then uh and we got a few other good guests lined up too. So, but Daniel, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. Honor is all mine. Thank you for having me. Keep up. All the right, good dude. Work. We'll, we'll we'll talk soon. We'll 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 uh, we'll we'll talk in DMs and we'll we'll figure out our next Absolutely. date down the road. Yes. God bless right. you. Take us out. Mm-hmm.